Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got David Weatherill. Weatherill. David is a free-time Paralympian in table tennis, multiple <laughs> happy celial dysplasia. <laughs> so welcome onto the show, David. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Absolute it's pleasure. Absolute, it's my absolute pleasure. You are synonymous in obviously my light, but a lot of people obviously in disabled sport who have maybe seen the last leg in the UK. I've seen your your viral clip from London 2012. If people haven't gone and seen that, obviously just put that David's name into YouTube and and, and put that clip. Um, I think you were saying before we start recording, it was like 6.8 million. Um, I will go and look afterwards. To give people I don't know. Don't, don't quote me on that. That's that's for you. Well, to it's probably high. It. Probably high because it's table tennis and it's disability. Uh, and you're chucking yourself all over the, the floor. At a young, we were talking about 10 years ago. Your younger self, uh, would you have been at your, your second games? Did you, did you ever expect maybe going into that games to to get the i'll call it publicity the the the, the limelight that you did yeah. no i don't no obviously not no well there was obviously a massive hype around london 2012 there was you know heightened media kind of exposure awareness disability awareness expectation pressure that comes with it so you know obviously you knew that you were going to be in the limelight to some extent everyone was in the crowd supporting you and you were the focus of attention as a British athlete playing against any kind of foreigner or foreign country, you know, you were the one who, uh, who people were looking at. So obviously, yeah, you know, you know, there's a little bit more, more eyes on you. Um, but I think as an athlete, you don't, I mean, I, I don't personally, that's, I try and not actively block it out. I, I don't try and that's not something which motivates me. Um, and I know a lot of athletes get a lot of confidence you, from you're, you're not of, um, the like of your, t- your Will teammate Will Bailey. Oh, um, is, is it Rio? He jumped up on the table and got in trouble. Yeah, I'd probably I'll, I'll be able to get on the table. Don't think, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So obviously, but that being said, it's a great thing to be known for. Like I'm not complaining. Obviously, it's it's fantastic. Like it was, I'm very proud to, you know, kind of demonstrate at least a little of what Paralympians can do. And, and also, like, I think it gains a little bit more respect from that, that shot kind of, oh, that table tennis, like Paralympic table tennis is a good level, you know, it's a really, really high level and you have to be good to be in the Paralympics because I think the awareness was, wasn't really there. Like some people, uh, or, you know, wider, wider kind of perceptions of Paralympic sport was maybe, oh, you know, sport for disabled people, not actually high level elite sport. So that was really cool. Uh, I'm really proud of that. Um, but no, as as a as an actual shot, like I I kind of I played to win. I played to kind of get better in myself and the experience, everything like that. I wouldn't necessarily say I was out there to do flashy shots, even though my game back then was probably quite flashy and mm-hmm. quite um, yeah, well, hit and miss. I suppose we can touch on the mental thing, side of things in a bit, but I think. Um, fundamentally like I lost that I lost that game so no one no one remembers that so that was the that was like the uh well, the he, does, he, does, he does 
but you probably don't <laughs> yeah, well, know. Well, why yeah. is David getting all the publicity exactly. and I won the match? Yeah, so, yeah, but now looking back, I'm like, okay, it's not all about medals. Like, table tennis, like sport. Yeah, I think in this country, there's there's quite a, it's quite, we can talk about that if you want as well in terms of funding and it's all about medals and like stats on a page and that can be wrong sometimes. I think it's all about participation and inspiration, the wider responsibilities as a Paralympian and that shot nailed all those things. Like it, it was so seen by a lot of like kids with disabilities, people playing table tennis and afterwards for like years, Steve, even now, like I'm known for that. So that fills me with a lot of, you know, good feeling and not, not just for me personally, just for, for table tennis and, and the Paralympics. So yeah, it's not, I'm kind of thinking, Oh, why didn't I do, I, I was so capable of doing more things like that back in the day and I probably should have done, but I don't know, I maybe I would have been labeled a, a flashy show off or something. I don't know, but that's not really why I, I kind of play table tennis, but now looking back, I'm like, yeah, did a lot of good. So I hope, yeah, hopefully that sums it up a little bit. That sums it up. If we backtrack a little bit, David, so so people can get a, a visual picture of your disability, trying the best words, because yeah. when people ask me this and trying to, yeah. to, to verbalize the, dis, the disability, can you describe to to the audience what what in case it is and how it affects you say day to day yeah. and then yeah i think i think growing up well you'll know what it's like james like growing up with a disability well having any kind of disability whether it's from an injury trauma growing up when well, i was born with mine so i've got a bone condition as we said multiple epiphyseal dysplasia which in layman's terms basically means all my bones are misshapen and they don't grow properly uh so for ease of explaining i've got like uh like rugby balls for like ball and socket joints. So they're like they're very grindy, arthritic, well, worse than arthritis, arthritis times a million, should we say. That's what it feels like sometimes. So it's basically like a lot of pain management for me, which growing up was quite tough. And I think you, you, it's a, it's a long term growth process mentally to kind of come to terms, not come to terms. That's not the right phrase, but like just understand yourself and grow as a person in, in times of, knowing who you are and obviously your disability is a massive part of that so it's your identity whether you like it or not I think I think it's a massive a massive part of me and it's made me who I am um I'm going off on a tangent but like I always tried like to own it I think you know if you own it and you you kind of no one can hate you for it no one can hate you for not being able to do something if you own it whereas if if you're always looking to you know use it as an excuse or or moan which is something which made my kind of like determination and all the kind of traits that I've got that kind of shaped everything it's all because of my disability so yeah I've got a lot to thank it for um but yeah growing up I I broke my leg playing football that gave me a little bit of a setback um so my left leg's particularly bad compared to the rest of my bones um uh but I started playing table tennis as a result so again good things come from bad things sometimes or perceived bad things so um i don't know did that explain a little bit about my yeah dis- it it does david and and obviously you answered my my, my next question uh, nicely did you think in the early days and of the of you of stumbling in we'll call it stumbling and obviously that's a bad uh, cliche there <laughs> falling into table tennis as a result of an injury in football did you think in the those early days that you would ever get to the heights of one-time Paralympian two? Obviously, we're talking about three Paralymp. Did you did you did you ever contemplate it? Did it ever cross your mind? 
or not nah, really? I think I don't know if you're the same, James, but I didn't have I didn't know anything about the Paralympics when I was growing up. Okay, when I was in my teenage years, yeah, maybe a little bit more. Um, I think it was Athens, Sydney, Athens. Sydney was quite pivotal, I think, um, just for Olympics as well. I think I remember watching Sydney Olympics. Um, I would have been ten, uh, and that inspired me. You know, that was that was amazing. I used to play the PlayStation game. I used to stay up and watch all everything. I just watched. Used to be sport mad, but I did it because I enjoyed it, um, and. I always like to try and I think that this comes from my disability as well. Like you, you want to try and be able to feel like you can do things. So well, for me, that was getting better at something like getting faster, like no matter what that was stronger, quicker. Um, so I was always, I was always, I love playing football, obviously, and any kind of ball racket sport, like I loved it. So enjoyment was my primary kind of motivator, but then obviously I touched on breaking my leg and starting table tennis, like rehabilitation, I think the big, the big kind of switch in my brain was when I obviously knew that there was something bigger to aim for, like the Paralympics, like something to really like give you a massive purpose to kind of aim towards and drive, reason to train, and you know it's all right, well and good pushing your body to try and get faster and stronger and better at something, but if you're doing it blind with no real reason or purpose, then it can you, you know the hard the hard tough days, especially in the pain of my disability, could have they they that's tough man so it having that kind of inspiring goal to, to aim for definitely kind of focused me a little bit um and I, I think I played my first Paralympic tournament when I was 15 so I, I had five years of playing table tennis um 10 to 15 where you know I, I knew about it and I was trying to get better but even then I, you never dream of being able to play professionally um I went to uni after Beijing literally the day I got back from Beijing. So I qualified for Beijing when I was 18, 17, went when I was 18. Um, and even then I was like, oh, that, you know, that's a good experience. I've done it. I've, I've not completed it or anything, but didn't know that I could, even then didn't know I could carry on playing full time after uni. Went to uni, did the whole uni thing, thought I'd get a job. But then London kind of, when London was selected, obviously I was still in school then, um, but the opportunities that came off the back of London and all the funding and everything. Yeah. Who knew, who knew, who could have predicted like the revolution of Paralympic sport that London would have had. So I never, I never went back to uni after I finished my BSc. I thought I was going to do a master's and all that stuff. So yeah, never went back and just, it was, um, well, 15 years later, I was, I was still playing. So. Yeah, so, what, so what was your experience like if you had to, compare and do a comparison of Beijing, London and Rio for you specifically. Which one which one because obviously we were both at Beijing and London. Which which no, one was, either, I'm, 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 I want to know. 4 years older than you. So it's like... I want to know though cuz from a table tennis point of view Beijing was incredible because it was just table tennis in China. For me obviously my sport back then because people that know you won't know my story um I, I was a rower, so rowing was in its first Paralympics. So I take a lot of pride out of being the first in that in in the GB team, first to 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 make the Paralympics and then first to make the final. The boats obviously gone on to do great success. Uh, more recently, uh, in Tokyo and in Rio, with winning a gold medal, and I was probably one of the first to. Congr- that was hard to do it. 
because it's like, wow, oh, I wish this would have been different. Whoa. But my experience uh, in China is probably surreal um, because the Chinese in my sport came out of nowhere. Because mm. um, in Rome, we have a world championship every year other than the, the Olympic year. Uh, they finished seventh and we finished eighth. So we qualified and this annoys me now to high heaven now because I had an opportunity to beat the Chinese and then I could turn around to the next next year and say, well, I beat them. You you guys didn't actually race in the same race. Um, and I think just the, the whole experience of, I don't know how long you all tournament. Mine was only four, three days. So I got experience other sports and, and I went to, yeah. to the athlete. I went to the bird's nest. I went to, I was a swimmer before I became a rower. Uh, yeah. And I bumped into old adversaries on the bus, and they were asking, "Oh, what are you competing in?" No, I've already competed. I'm coming to spectate. Yeah. And just this, the surreal aspect of being in in such a well, we can't even call it a big team because obviously London went surpassed it, and that was even bigger. Uh, of of those teams and being in with people that were becoming to be household names and, and you know, yeah. like the, like David Weir uh, and, and, and just to be uh, a massive big family and, and, and looking out. It was obviously a pressure cooker of seeing that you, you talked about, see things on a, on a stat sheet of that, the board of people doing yeah, success. Yeah. That's that's you. That's what kind of drives you on, doesn't it? It's an expectancy to oh well this person's delivered. Uh I think I think the first person to medal was um what's his first name? Mark Skelton is uh, from sh- shooting yeah. and that his was wasn't expected. You're thinking, well, can can I actually do this? And obviously there's an expectancy as an as an athlete yourself to to, to deliver and performance that you're going to be proud of and I think with me and obviously my teammate that's no longer with us we put this different persona out to the media of hey the final is the be all and then in the team it wasn't that it was it's a final or bust and me being in a sport that is pretty much so lustrous with success in the Olympic thing you're thinking well any short of a medal you kind of feel like a failure a little bit so after my career had finished i was looking back you put a bit of pressure on yourself pressure no i think it's almost like disgust as well my career has been crap i haven't really succeeded yeah. to the levels of uh of maybe what i wanted to when i was younger because it was all about the medal it's like oh i need to get a gold medal and then i've had a successful career and i've spoken to numerous athletes now for the for the podcast and obviously every one of which one i'm saying that's obviously from a mindset perspective is the wrong way to look at it because it's not really a motivator because yeah but you don't know that at the time like you 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 don't you, you're in the emotion of it you're high you know wow we're only young, young athletes we were a bit uh perfectionist self-critical stub- stubborn short-sighted Maybe don't see the bigger picture and just kind of go through the process as well. You've got to step outside of it sometimes to be able to be able to look at it with an honest view. I think 
why you don't. That's probably why you see a lot of the athletes now coming out with mental health conditions because they were obsessed. It's like, well, you that was your only Did thing. Did you quite a bit when you retired? I've been retired 10 years. So I've yeah. been retired a long time. Um, but to see to see other athletes kind of go, well, I'm suffering with anxiety, I'm suffering with depression. You're thinking, well, maybe that's not a maybe. Maybe sport hasn't been accountable to us like we have been and been dependable as we were to them. Because once you once you're gone, you're forgotten about. It's like, well, I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to this organization. And you're throwing me up on 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 the skip. So, I think things are changing when you're seeing stuff in the media, with 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 obviously pressure from external forces of society saying this is unacceptable for people for human beings to be treated like cadden fodder. Um, will it change in the near future? I think you and I will agree, probably not, because that's it, it. It works as a system if we if we grill people to to be almost uniformed in the way that they think and they behave it it, it, it produces results um obviously that's pre- prehistoric in terms of thinking because you and i would agree that coaching styles are going to differ as how we how we both want to be coached could be night and day and I shouldn't say that from a color perspective, but as in how we want to be coached, that you might do very well uh, under harsh uh, criticism. I might be the complete opposite. And then obviously there's a spectrum in between. So I think obviously coaching and performance standards have to change because obviously people are... But I think... I think that's why some of the best coaches have, have kind of, they get that. It's not technical skills or anything like that. Like I've done quite a bit of coaching in my time. And I, if you've walked and you've been on the tools, so to speak, then you really, you really get it. That kind of personal touch sometimes is, you all good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Like the, the the mental side of elite sport is. Well, it's, 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 well, it's something that I've taken into my my day to day journey with coaching now, is because people assume once I went into the health and fitness industry, oh, James is going to be a taskmaster. He's going to be get with the whip. It's like, yeah, no. I learned from the first day I went on my course that you can't treat everybody with this. I'll use the American expression of cookie cutter approach because everybody is unique everybody's going to respond to different buttons being pushed. So for me, it's fascinating to kind of go, okay, you are telling me X, Y, Z, so I can push this button to be able to kind of get you to realize that some of this is the narrative that you're telling yourself. So the psychology of, it might be why I I prefer to support psychology at university over the others in sports science, um, because literally you could put, theory into and i think as and i know my my lectures and and the 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 professors love my work because i could use proof and it was in the real world using sports as an example of this is theory this is how it's applied and this is how it works so i did a paper in my third year on burnout and i could prove it 
I can't remember what mark I got, but they kind of go, well, you, you've you got the luxury to be able to utilize things on the ground and to see if this stuff are actually applicable. So loads of theories I put from sports science into my sport and they go, oh, this doesn't work for me. Trash. It doesn't work. I'm not saying it won't work for somebody else, but it's advantageous now to kind of go, okay, I can utilize my career to the betterment of the general populace are going to go, okay. Uh, and I, I had a testimonial from a client that praised me on that. I was, I was almost in tears. I was like, man, that means a lot for you to say that I'm able to, able to utilize personal experience. And it's a lot that health, health, health professionals don't have to for the betterment of the purpose. But I got more empathetic once I retired. Um, some people might find that hard to believe that athletes are self-centered. That's probably why they're very, very good at what they do. They're able to kind of tune off all the new noise uh, and to get down to business. And, and, it, and obviously it's, I laugh about it. It's both a positive trait, but also it's a very very narcissistic trait that you, you, you don't really care about other people around you unless it's going to. You're generalizing there. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay, for me then. No, I'm joking. Yeah. But, but, I, but I think some, people in in the general populace they need to use that those boundaries sometimes to 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 aid them to get to the goals to kind of go well we'll switch off the people that aren't helpful for you and then obviously it's going to help you yeah you've got to you've got to be somewhat selfish in to some extent um absolutely in in terms of your mindset and your achieving your goals and that's not to say you've got to be a horrible person but you've got to kind of you know, you can help people as well. Like training, inherently, we're in a, I was in a team, we're in a collaborative team environment. You're all there to help each other, aren't you? Um, however, like practice partner is is key to getting better. You're both getting better at something. So you, you kind of, um, at, but at the same time, you've got to, you've got to keep an eye on your goals and your, why you're there. Um, which is why it helped me to kind of really keep, keep in mind the wider responsibilities of being a Paralympian and not just medals. Um, and I think I was quite good at that throughout my career. Yes, you want to win. Of course you do. Um, but you've got to do the right thing as well. Um, do the right thing. Nothing else matters. And hopefully that, that kind of equals collaborative team success. So yeah. And like, I, I think, I do think that when like competitions are, are a massive time of heightened emotion. Like emotion can can skew even the most logical of brains. So it's it's and you you kind of don't understand it when you're younger. This is why I, we touched on Beijing a little bit. Beijing was my favourite because we're going back to this previous question because I was riding the wave. Like I played the best I've ever played at that time. Um, I wasn't so caught up in what it meant. I think it was. Would you would you say you're a little bit naive? Yeah, absolutely. Just it's an amazing experience. Yeah, I was there to win, but I had, I had a great time. It was brilliant. Um, you know, fresh-faced eighteen-year-old, you wouldn't even recognise me. Um, and I can't, you know, I, it's all a blur to be honest. It was so long ago. Whereas you, all these things come with experience, don't they? You have to be in those situations. You have to be in the pressure cooker. You have to. You know, you're that tea bag that's being dipped in boiling water. And you don't know how strong you are until it's the boiling water's all over you. You don't know how you react. You have to, and sometimes you come out of it and you're like, what the hell just happened? Like, 
again, I can't remember. Like, I can't really. Rem- I know my results. I know I played really well, but I can't really give you any kind of coherent make sense of anything. Um, but with experience, you you kind of gain that understanding. You get make sense of it, and then you can tap into your emotions positively, and you can influence them for the better. So, yeah. I mean, we can talk all day long about this, um, but yeah, Beijing. Beijing was my favourite. London was as uh, different, obviously, the home crowd pressure. And I, I came back from injury just beforehand, so I had a lot of cloud distracting me, a lot of noise, which didn't aid my performance. But that kind of kickstarted me into my mental improvements. Um, to like, oh, you know, I was the best. I was, you know, that shot probably demonstrates that. Like, I probably, probably, you never say should, but I had a massive, massive opportunity to do really well in London, irrespective of injury. Um, just I broke my arm basically a few months before, but I, I think it, again that can drive you to like overcome those hurdles and those barriers, and it can raise your level even higher. Um, but I just crumbled, like the pressure and everything. So I didn't particularly. London was my worst, in, in fact, for, for all those reasons, even though it was probably the best games. Like everyone said it was the best games. But for me personally, like 22, still young, you know, not quite been in that environment before. Um, and I learned so much from that to the point where four years later, like Rio was was my best, like my peak probably. I played unbelievable. I always, by that point, I was 100% confident I could do it when it mattered. And like, if you had a pressure game, put Dave in there, like I knew I just backed myself 100% because not because of willy nilly, like, oh, let's hope I play well today. You just know, like when you can can understand your thoughts and you can control your mind and everything to the point where you just know that you've done the training, you've done the work. It's not like arrogance. It's just pure confidence over the fact that you've ticked all the boxes and you, you know all the noise well, no matter what the noise is, you can control it. And I felt like so clarity of, of mind in terms of my logic and pushing the emotion at bay and just doing the job at hand. Like that takes years that you can't just, some people have it naturally in their thought process, fair enough, a little bit more, but I've really worked at that. And I know you're, you're like big on the psychological side of things as well. And yeah, it's, it's like, it's mind blowing how much of a difference it makes. Um, and that's, that's like so many parallels in life as well. It's helped. Like you can help outside of sport as well. And I think, you know, my later career, it certainly helps. Like coming out of table tennis, that was hard. Like probably the hard, probably harder than anything, like anything disability related operations, just, just finishing my career. It was just, um, and it's only since I've kind of clambered out of that hole that you realize how big that hole really was. You know, it's, it's tough. Um, and I think all these things, as you grow older and you kind of just gain consciousness over what's going on in your brain and what's actually happening. Um, I think, you know, you touched on coaching as well. You can see it in other players as well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible how I, how you have to go through it sometimes to really feel it. And it's like, I think you have to grieve your career as well. You touched on not winning a medal. Like I've had that, you know, but you think it's the be all and end all. You think it's life or death. You really feel that, but it's not, you know, and, and when you're out of it, you're like, okay, that's what that meant. Like, that's what, you know, if I'd go back now, I'd probably do things a little bit differently in my early career. Um, and even still now, like it's, it's, it's mad, like how much you can bring from your sporting career. I think, I mean, I know I've waffled on a little bit, but 
gives you an overlook over little flavor i suppose well i think it's your identity that's where i maybe got a little bit skewed with what what i thought was important because if you think of it in the in the grand scheme of things i had an illustrious 10 years at the top you probably something similar as in not everybody has that fortune to be able to be at the top of their game for so long okay some athletes have probably been there for a bit longer um, some athletes probably stay long well past their sell by date and they probably need to be they need to kind of go okay I've had my time in the limelight let me get let me give somebody else a chance as opposed to being pushed out the door um, but some people maybe not be able to see that as well I still enjoy it um, obviously people aren't better than me yet so why am I going to go yet but I think where I'm going with this is we we have more power to determine what we determine. It's, my definition of success now is completely different from what it was throughout my athletic career. Yours probably did the same because it's it is very subjective and and I'm maybe more more grateful and more humble about what I achieve and I and I will embrace the successes probably of other people because what I do now is helping other people. So. If they succeed, I succeed. So no matter to what, and okay, I've garnered criticism because of that, because people have had judgments of I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, and and they perceived that I was more inspirational as and motivational as an athlete. I probably wouldn't agree because I have more of an impact now than I ever did over that ten years because. I was doing it for me. It was that was my goal. That was my objective. Okay, I didn't expect to make two Paralympics when I started. It was it was nice because it was almost a it's a buzz. Come the end of a, of, of the closing ceremony, it's like oh, it's finished. I don't want this to end. I want to go to the next one. And you you don't contemplate all the things that's going to have to go between. Obviously, have time off, but as yeah. <laughs> you got four think, years of hard work to get to the next one. I th- I think it's important to have a life outside of the sport as well. Not just doing things. I mean, in terms of things you care about, passions, um, and being able to translate that kind of not mindset, but that kind of the things which make you happy. Well, you need they, they, need, they, need, they need. This is probably where some athletes don't get it right because they focus on 24-7 the sport and when it's gone they lose their identity completely obviously that's the psychology of it because they're all encompassing of that one thing uh you obviously did a degree at the same time I did as well and it was a very good of a balance because you could kind of go okay between these set hours I'm the athlete and the rest of the time I was going to go in my books we're finally um, using. I'm finally using my degree now as well. Fifteen years later, well, not fifteen. Twelve, twelve years later. But um, but yeah. I think, I think last year was hard though because I I wasn't that void was lost and I had no, you know, you got so many boxes in your head. If one of those boxes, which takes up maybe a few of those boxes, just suddenly gone, you've got a massive space there, and you know maybe another box goes and you. You've got to, you've got to fill it. You've got to find new passions and not necessarily a new identity. Your identity doesn't have to be affected, really. But, um, but no, I'm trying to find the. I think what athletes call it is a buzz. They can't replace the buzz. So yeah. 
I, I sat down with Martin and Fire. Uh, well, gosh, it's been months ago now. And he was talking about, and obviously he'd been long retired, probably like 20, 20, 25 years. But a lot of people, have, they go down the route of drugs, alcohol, you name it, to replace that. That's okay for a disabled sport, it's a bit easier because obviously the crowds aren't massive. Um, obviously, you could use the Paralympics as an outlier because that's not normal. It's not the, 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 like every year. But when you you obviously call time on your career, it's you've spent five, ten, fifteen, twenty years of your life trying to achieve the, this whatever success looks like. Um, and then obviously when it's gone, it's well, what's the next big thing? And yeah, okay, I've done speaking. I probably did that for the wrong reason in the beginning because it's like, well, what can I? What can I do on par with the Paralympics? Probably never, nothing ever, ever probably in my lifetime is going to meet that subjectiveness of a Paralympic because nothing can be the same or replace it. Uh, and that was the next big hurdle I wanted to achieve to do TEDx. Well, it's public speaking is probably more difficult than, 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 than sport. Sport, you can do it a lot of it behind the scenes. In the darkness, public speaking, I think most people don't like because it's very, very awkward and. Well, seek discomfort. I mean, you got to go outside your comfort zone sometimes. You get a good feeling from that, good sense of achievement. Well, most I think everybody needs to do that. I think that we we you see more and more athletes doing public speaking, which is quite interesting. So I don't know if it's a competitive drive that oh somebody else has done it. Should I should I do it? And and, and I think I did this during the the, the height of the pandemic. Um and and I and I emailed a few of the executives like of under in like sports companies like if you were to use more disabled people in your marketing you would make more money I didn't word it like that but as in a lot yeah. of things you're seeing a lot of that tra- transition now of the, them doing it. it's like well because more people in general populace can relate to disabled people because the Olympians for being on 10 percent of the world have a disability it's a mad stat like there's 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 a mad amount of people probably more than that it's, it's well, that's what i mean more more than yeah but people think it's a minority but it's it's really not really you know well the word itself is not right is it the ability to be uh all day long dis- about that, disability is like well she and i have achieved quite a lot in our in our in our lifetimes compared to some people that might take twice as long or maybe never realize it at all so it's interesting when you speak to people within i'll call it a demographic within within our population of having a disability they don't like using the word disability handicapped i won't go into the the, the ones that really 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 naughty i won't use those but it's interesting when people struggle. It's like it's a word. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean it's not going to stop me from doing anything in life. It's it's it's. Listen to you speak, David. I think it's a motivator. It's like, well, I'm going to prove that I've got loads of ability, but at the end of the day, I've got nothing to prove. In nowadays, that's probably more we think as, well, why why did I have to prove anything? I'm I was more than capable of doing it. You probably could be able to be. A, quite a few able-bodied people in table tennis i think i think when you've got a bit of a yeah the, the harder the conflict the greater the triumph sometimes i think i'm i like that 
I've said that a few times. I don't want to I drum that beat a little bit because, you know, bad things can happen. I don't know, in the, in the kids playing table tennis now, I'm like, oh, it's, the conditions aren't great. Great. Let the conditions be bad, you know, overcome them. Like it's a bit more of a challenge for you. Enjoy it, thrive upon it, make it spur you on. Like don't complain about it. Um, yeah. How much wasted energy anyway? If you're complaining, that's going Eastern philosophy now, but yeah. as in, if you spent less time doing that and more time focusing on what you wanted to achieve or focusing on other people and focusing on yourself, you'd probably get closer to the goal a lot, lot quicker. But we live in an age that is very distractive, um, be it YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, podcasts. You've been pulled left, right, and center. So I, I think what you echo of, you know, focusing on, on the adversity because it makes you the person that you are and you're trying for all that. And obviously our stories are very, very much inspiring to, to, to the everybody community because it's like, well, what have I got to complain about? Look, look, look what Dave has achieved. Look what James yeah. has achieved in spite of a setback. But, you know, I, I didn't, I never used to like that term, you know, like inspiration or whatever, however you want to frame it. Like, I never used to, like, I don't see myself as that. But it's, how, awkward. it's awkward. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't like it's, it. But, but if people see you as a role model, it's kind of going, yeah. okay. If you see me as that small ember and I could stoke that into a massive fire that you become a version of uh, th this is I'm going to paraphrase one of our clients they said they said one have the same mentality as me I was like no no thank you I don't want a James another James running around here <laughs> uh, I, I understand the concept that you want to have some of the characteristic traits that, that I've been able to to acquire over the the years which um, my coaches co coined as um, uh, how did you do it an unseen skill. Okay, awesome. I've embraced. I've embraced it because it was awkward. It's like, well, why? Why am I motivational, inspirational for you, but you can't find the desire, the drive to motivate yourself? But I think because we've been very sporty from such a young age, we just copied everything that was around us. Because like, well, okay, that that guy's good don't care how I did it I want that for myself and we just became it so I I understand where you're coming from that you don't you don't like it but if people are seeing you as like um no I don't I, I don't I didn't mean it like that but okay. yeah I get I get I get what you mean I've, I've seen it now now I've finished sport now I'm I'm not finished completely I've finished as a professional athlete but I mean going into a second career now you can really use your experiences for you know to drive you forwards like my like it's given me a loads of legs up like i'm i'm kind of i'm thriving in that environment now in a corporate environment in the working environment like whatever you want to style it as like you can translate those skills directly across and they'll really help you like i didn't know how to do it at first i was like lost and i was like how we're, not, we're, not, taught. we're not taught yeah we we, we kind of that service is there and I know you you know that transitional stuff the yeah. lifestyle coaches like well I don't really no, I don't, need that I don't really I don't need really, that yeah no I don't I mean take take all that with a pinch of salt but you are you you are you you know 
you got to be yourself. You've got to, and obviously that was a, or it is a massive part of your identity, that kind of drive determination. But you know, that can help. That doesn't have to just be limited to sport. Absolutely not. And I've, you know, I, I was maybe a little bit closed minded when I finished table tennis. I thought that, um, you know, what am I going to do now? Like, I know I can do something. I just didn't know how to translate it. And you've got to kind of go along the path and I'm still kind of growing as a person, but yeah, I think I'm now in such a good, like 2023 is a good year, man. Like it's going to be good. Um, I'm conscious over it now. And all those skills, all those things that you've mentioned, boom, away we go. And people do still see you as like that. So you've got to use it, haven't you? You've got to use it to get where you want to be, your new goals and stuff. So well, it's been it's been authentic to yourself at the end of the day, and and, and we come of the age that that's that almost like a transition between maybe the younger generation that they able to be on social media and show out all aspects of of the life for, for you. I'm a little bit older than you, so it's a little bit awkward. It's like, well, I've been a customer. Good there. Keep telling me I'm young. <laughs> But as in, it's almost like that was the, the disconnect. As this is the person I am in the street, and the person that friends and family know is like maybe a different person. Where whereas I think when you realise to 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 be just yourself in all in all scenarios, it's a lot easier because you're not having to masquerade and being something that you're not in this. Diff- you just you and then if, if people don't like that, it's like hey, that's fine. That's me being me. And if you don't like it, okay, tough. That's that's the way of the land. I, I'm I'm not, not going to try and change you. And it's a lot easier because you're easy, easier to to be able to flow from one to the other seamlessly versus maybe going from athlete to academia to obviously corporate, very very different and environments altogether, and very much very similar in in others. So it becomes a lot easier to be, well, I just need to be myself and, and, and be able to obviously uh, be able to present for that environment because obviously what, what, what is going to work in one environment may not work in the other and then vice versa. Yeah, no. I think, I think I'm, I'm at the point where I'm looking back thinking, you know, you, you think you, we had an amazing opportunity to be professional athletes, like amazing, but it wasn't, you, I look back and think, ah, oh, it was hard. It was hard. You know, it's not all rosy posy. It's not all like shining, dancing in lights and stuff, you know? And I think now, uh, now I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of keen to stress that to like, uh, even like I've got, still got lots of friends in, in sport and, they feel like they should be enjoying it, you know. They should be off the other side of the world, for example, wherever they are, like in a brilliant place, doing the thing they love, but they're hating it. They well, they've lost. They've lost. I did. I did towards yeah. the end, and I'm like, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about, yeah. Well, some people are a bit fickle and they don't see it, but it's probably you've you've lost sight. Well, why did you do it in the first place? Why? Yeah. Why? What? And it's love, passion for what you do. But because I'm not saying they lost the passion completely, but be it because it's such a tedious and pressurized environment, eventually you're gonna kind of go, "Gosh, nah, this is crap." This is- that's why you you've got to get that understanding of yourself, and you've got to like I went through those cycles, 
and you know you got to get that to that point where you can the mental game you know you just got to do some mental gymnastics sometimes in your brain it sorts everything out in life as well it's um it's i'm i'm, I'm fascinated by it all um anyway we could uh I could talk to you. I could. I could talk to you all day about all. I know, and I know you have to. I know you have to go very shortly. So I'm going to be very respectful of your time, David. Thank so you. I ask this of every guest at the end of the episode: If you got to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, for that matter, who would that be, and why? Crikey! There, there'll be loads. There'll be loads, like off the top of my head. Um, Right, we're going to identity now. Like my identity as an athlete wasn't always just table tennis. It was being an athlete, like being a bit of an animal, like a machine, like physically a specimen, should we say? I don't know. Like I, I got a lot of confidence from that. I like to feel like I was not just good at table tennis. Like I was, you know, supremely fit and, you know, something to be respected, not just for having a skill or a talent, if that makes sense. So I, I kind of. That was a big part of my training and my motivation when I just get up in the morning, like the early mornings, going to the gym and just being able to push through. Like that was that was my kind of intrinsic motivation, really, to be the best athlete I could be. So, you know, I always thought a lot of my heroes, shall we say, weren't table tennis players. The guys I respected, they were, I don't know, I'm big into the CrossFit world now. I'm big into like, I don't know, like, like Ross Edgeley, like, um, I don't know, someone like that, like the, the monsters of the, the world, like you could just endurance, just push their mind and their body through everything. That's what gives me the kick. And that's what gives me, you know, you spoke about um, the buzz that that gives me the buzz. I've never lost that. Um, I've only lo- you lose that when you go through injuries and being as an athlete, the injuries are the worst. You can no longer do that. Like, um, and la- that's why last year was tough for me. Like initial table tennis injured, like having a hip replacement. I put on weight. I didn't want to put on weight. I couldn't do anything. It was horrible. Um, and these guys, they might like just, you have to scrape the barrel sometimes. You know, when you're lying on a hospital bed sometimes, like I'm just speaking from my own personal experiences, you can't see it. You can't. Like sometimes you rely on other people for, to, to see it for you. You know, you really have to scrape the barrel to do those mental gymnastics, to get your brain in a point where you can drive every day. And I lost that. But thankfully, I had people there to pick me up and like, remind me and and that's why your your own story in the back can give you a, a little reminder it could give you like a little survival guide for the future because it will maybe it will happen again and um for me that's just what drives me now i'm out of that hole i'm back like i can walk again no pain in my hip i can do the things that give me that buzz i can get up in the morning and, and have that routine back and have my identity back and do all the things that i used to do nothing to do with table tennis like i take it into my job go to the gym at 6am, boom, start work at 7. You know, all these things which don't have to change. Like, I'm back. Like, it's brilliant. And and so, if, oh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of what gives me a kick, what makes me tick. Um, and I think everyone's got the potential to find something in their own world. It doesn't have to be fitness-related. Just something to, to get that buzz, that passion, I think. You need a passion. Um, and that's mine. So, yeah, anyone, anyone who's got some kind of mad adventure kind of mindset um i'd love to chat to if that makes sense i appreciate appreciate that david 
And my final question before we sign off is if you are to summarize what we've been speaking about into if you have to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? One sentence. Um, just reflection, self-reflection on both of, of our, our sporting lives, not just careers, lives. Like it's a whole life. It's a livelihood, isn't it? Um, yeah, just obviously the emotions that you go through. There we go. I'd say it was quite a nice little little session for me to self-reflect over over a few things in my career, remember some memories and whatnot. I realise that's a little bit more than a sentence. But oh, that's all right, David. It's been Thank you. So it's been my absolute pleasure having you on. <laughs> Thank you. And good to see you again. Thanks again for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below and i would love to hear from you come and connect and ask your questions i've been james roberts from jamesowenroberts.com remember this quote by chris hearth an athlete is a mindset it's how you prepare think and execute not by some elite status or physical stature anybody can be an athlete <laughs>